Well, Mr. Hamilton, it seems that you have a fever. Oh no, man. Is that why I totally crashed my Pagani in Monaco, innit? No, but you could certainly use it as an excuse. So this fever, what do I do about it, boy? Well, the main thing is to rest and relax. Have you been up to anything that could cause agitation or excitement? Well, I drove in last weekend's Brazilian Grand Prix. Right, so that's a no. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm the lower than usual frequency of Gareth Jones. He's the middling frequencies of Richard Porter. Hello. And because he wasn't an unmitigated disaster last time, we've asked him back. Alex, welcome back to On Speed. And Finn, yes. Hello. Finn. Wasn't that violent? I, I oh, was that violent? Going me out. Oh, hang on, let me go see. I'm afraid I have to see if it was. Girlfriend, <laughs> uh, was that you? Oh, it's like what well, you think you're like round a mate's house you've got to hide the beer because someone's mum's home <laughs> no it was number two son saying goodnight uh, downstairs uh, that's what Alex just had a brilliant reaction though what? Beer? No. it sounded like Violet was back and he was just like oh, hide the beer <laughs> <laughs> correct I thought we'd talk about brands for part of this show we covered the fact that Lancia are about to vanish from the known universe so the question is, after Lancia, in the pecking order of brands, who are we going to lose next? In other words, who's the next rover? Opal? Vauxhall? He said pointedly. No. Vauxhall won't die, it'll just limp on and be awful. Who buys Vauxhalls? Isn't it a dying audience? Aren't the people who buy Vauxhalls all in their 70s now? No, or are they I don't, buying I don't, Hondas? I don't think so, because they have a dealer in every town, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And they do good deals. They just sort of bluster on yeah, I mean they're, they're still, their cars are all in the top 10 for yeah. sales aren't they they will support themselves in fact I think Vauxhall is one of the more successful bits of the GM Europe operation isn't it so they're not going anywhere I remember when GM in the States were having big trouble it was Vauxhall Opel who effectively bankrolled and propped them up for a while because mm. they were doing better weren't they and also there's an interesting thing whereby the Vauxhall Opel cars are now being sold in the US as Buicks and other things and so you can buy a sort of version of the insignia over there mm. it's a buick something over there and the astra i think the last gen astra yeah no one before now was a saturn something. yes yeah it was, was in a transformers movie yeah there was a shia leboeuf hanging out of an astra and i remember seeing one of the pictures from on set some spy picture on a website or something it was like that's an astra he's in the best position <laughs> getting out the, on high I'm just thinking that Vauxhall have had a stay of execution by the death of their unwanted sibling Chevy in the UK anyway is Chevy still selling in Europe they've killed them no. in Britain haven't they but the reason why Chevy died was because people were going into a Chevy showroom drawn in by the sort of low low prices that advertised in the local paper but then the Vauxhall dealer was going, well, look, do you know what? For a couple hundred quid more, you can have an Astra or a Corsa or whatever. Mm. And people were going, well, It's like a cruise, you know but better. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because you know us. is yeah. a little bit nicer. And in a weird pecking order, Vauxhall was sort of seen as probably as a little bit more prestigious than Chevrolet. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I don't, they sort of backfired on them in a bit because they thought that people reacted warmly to the idea of a Chevrolet. But what they really reacted warmly to was the idea of some 1950s American car with enormous fins on it. Yeah. 
Not, not, not a Korean car. Dismal Korean made yeah, car. Yeah. So not not built fun, in the Czech Republic. Wasn't it? Not a fun Chevrolet story. One of my first ever video reviews was a Chevrolet Spark. Oh yeah, for yeah. a website run by my mate Massimo. I said I wanted to do video, and so he said, "Oh, come and have a go at this. We've got a Chevrolet Spark for you." So we had it. And it was a very, very early car, like straight off the boat. The car was to me. I went to pick up the cameraman, a lovely chap called Ed. And we thought, right, it's going to be a long day. So let's go get some lunch. So we went around to Tesco around the corner, popped it into space, went and got lunch. And then as we were going to leave, I tried to put it in reverse, which is where sixth would be if it had six speeds. And it wouldn't go in. But thankfully it was an open space, so I just kind of went forward and thought, oh, it's just me being an idiot, let's hide this, because I don't want the cameraman to think I'm a moron. Anyway, went out in first, couldn't grab second. So I was like, okay. Third, chugged it, and I went, oh, my bad, whoops, made a mistake. Got out to the open road, and I only had first, third, and fifth. Wow, top-line gears. That, that, that was it. And it turned out a tiny plastic widget had broken, but we spent four hours waiting for a recovery truck no. to try and get the spark oh, taken home. It's just like when I flew to the south of France once to go on Evo's car of the year, and the deal was I flew in on my own, rented an estate car, and then went to join the rest of the team because the estate would be used for camera tracking, so the photographer would line the boot, the boots open and take pictures of all the supercars and things we had. So I left my hire car, which was in my name and on my credit card, with the photographers. And car photographers aren't known for their mechanical sympathy. And when I got the car back, that only had odd-numbered gears. And every time you tried to put it into second or fourth or sixth, it, it just bounced out again. And all the way back to the airport when we'd finished, I was rehearsing in my GCSE French how I was going to explain this to the hire car people. Ah, yeah. Uh, est-ce qu'il y a un problème avec la boîte du vitesse? Uh, nous avons un, trois et cinq, mais ne pas deux. And I was running this through in my head. And I got up to the desk and I went, uh, bonjour. Uh, c'est un problème avec le boîte. And the woman went, what? And I went, Ilya, and she went, what's it, what, the car is broken? Yeah, the car's broken, the gearbox is knackered. She went, okay. And then, and then just uh, it, she didn't even blink. Oh. Because it was a Peugeot 307, and presumably they all did that, sir. It sounded with the car, sir, so Yes. <laughs> all right, then. If it's not Vauxhall, if it's not Opel, who can it be? Is it... Sayat. Yeah? Oh, do you think? Right. Volkswagen, problems. Yeah. Problems only getting <laughs> Much worse. worse. Even at the time of recording, seeming pretty bad, I suspect by the time the show is published in just a few short hours, they'll be even worse uh, again. At the time of recording, the petrol engines are now a bit knackered. Yeah, and now there's a Porsche with the diesels and, and all this sort of... So they're dragging everyone in. Yeah. There's got to be a patsy at some point. There's got to be something that gives. And I just don't know how long they can tolerate the fact that Sayat has never found their groove. And let's be honest... All of the load could be shared between Volkswagen and Skoda and yeah. Audi, and what's the point of Seat? There's it's, a lot of yeah. love for, for them. If they're being ruthless and they're going, eh, well, let's just save some money here. I say it in the UK, certainly. In Spain, they can't ditch it at all. Mm-hmm. But, but just rebadge Skodas or something. How many yeah. Skodas do they sell in Spain? I don't know the information on this one, but I'm just guessing it's not many. No. But just rebadge Skodas, which they practically do anywhere with the Rapid slash the, oh, Toledo, the, Toledo and the Up and the Me. What's it called? City Go and the Me. Yeah. And, and, uh, the City Go, the Me and the Up. Well, the City Go and the Up, as I like to call Go up my city. Uh, hey! But either way, it just seems that Seat would be the least justified member of that whole Volkswagen group. They don't seem to do anything unique that can't be 
a burden shared amongst well, some other companies. They've got the whole Cooper thing, which holds more value than the VRS. Thing. But does it? To enthusiasm, I think they keep us. plugging away, but at the same time, they're doing fine with that. And if they put a bit more oomph behind it, maybe. I don't know how many Cooper Seats they sell versus normal Seats, which is the bread and butter. Yeah. And this is the problem. And the factories, the Seat factories, could be usefully employed just making cars for other people because they already make like the Audi Q3 down there and various polos and things like that so it's not like they'd have to lay off a lot of people and they have that design studio down on the med which again they do design work for the rest of the group anyway so sort of just say as a company just sort of feels like they could I don't like it but you've made a really valid point and I think it's time for them to die now why though <laughs> why have Seat failed to gain traction pretty much starting from zero whereas Skoda had to sort of go back beyond zero and start again and they've managed well, to do it that's in easier. the UK you I think that's easier yeah. if you start from a position of below zero yeah. do you remember all those stickers that used to be in the back of Skoda's when the Octavia first came in yeah they said something like it was jokey wasn't it yeah so it really no, is really, a Skoda it's a Skoda yeah. Yeah. that's it they had yeah. nothing to lose and that's mm-hmm. a really powerful position to be in cause whereas just... early Seat had no it's been engineered by Porsche yeah. written down the side but then it's almost it's, it's 15 horsepower though, you know <laughs> just a sticker. <laughs> Not the it says Porsche on it, 15 horsepower. Worth it every time. I quite like those earlier Beethers. They're nice with the Jaro styling, yeah. Porsche oh, tuned it, or Porsche one. developed engine. I saw one in the wild the other day driving really? at me at speed in France in blanket, horrible, torrential rain. He was committed. He I bet be. it looked good. Did the French like that car because it had a single windscreen wiper like a Citroen? It's a little, little <laughs> local marketing thing. Thing is, the French are very good at looking after their cars, or at least keeping their cars. Mm, I think, I think it's more in France, keeping, not looking yeah. after. Them. Oh no, because they're all dented to buggery. But it's not the they point. They abuse sort of... them just the right amount. Yes, they keep working, but they don't really function properly. Being in France explains a lot about French cars because my colleague Richard Hammond once said this as a very very salient point that a great Peugeot, the Peugeots of the eighties. Yes, bits of trim would fall off, but that was really the car just shedding unnecessary weight because the fundamentals were there. The hull was strong. The engine was strong. And yes, the door handle might come off and the glove box fell open, but they're mere fripperies. These don't affect the function of the car if you are a French farmer and you need to get to town and back. You could argue the same for Italian cars. But I always feel... City cars, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the French do it better than anyone. But also, as a genuine point, the French are, I think, much less superficial about their car ownership. They won't throw a car away simply because they want a new model. No. They will run the car until it can no longer run. Well, and even then, there might be a chap in the village who can hammer it and make it work. There are no premium French brands. I mean, that tells you a great deal about the egalitarianism of the French. Peugeot is the nearest you get, and that's not a premium brand. It's not an Audi, is it? I will say one thing for brilliant French automotive brands. Thought of the Twizy, you yeah. can get the quick one, the less quick one. But there's one you can get in France that's basically an invalid scooter. <laughs> because the idea is, if you get banned from driving, you can't drive a car. But you can buy the seven horsepower Twizy. So if you've had a few red wines of an evening, you can still drive it home and not lose your license because it's, right. it's, it's technically but this is a the same as those. Um, yes, those those uh, what are they Axiom. Axiom. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I was once in a French village. I think I've said this on the show before that I saw this man come out of the local cafe, 
and he sort of walked towards the car with the key extended like a small dagger and then took what seemed like about five minutes trying to get it in the lock and then finally got into the car and puttered off and we were watching this and we were thinking oh my god that man is drunk beyond belief and yet he's being allowed to drive because that's technically not a car it's not a car and if i remember correctly the last time you told that story we seed into a sketch of Jean Todd turning out to be the driver of that Oh, car. yeah, we did, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> One from the archives there. Hello, John Bowles here. I'm sorry to report that me and Graham Loudon... Oh, no. We've decided we've had enough of this F1 lark and we're going to knock it on Ted. Hi. All that remains is for us to thank everyone what helped us over years, and that means a big thank you to all our sponsors. Aye, thanks Airbnb. Is that it? Aye. Oh, bugger. Step Petrol! We got a on speed! Would someone like to sound the death knell? Do you know what the death knell actually sounds like? Is it a bell? I think it's like a dong. Yeah, exactly. All right. Would someone like to sound the death knell for the forgotten brands? Right. I'll start with Lola. Dong. Rover. Dong. Simca. Dong. And here's a query on this one. Daimler. Can you still buy a Daimler? No. Okay. But. I'm going to go with. Dong it up then. Dong? Yeah. <laughs> dong? My uh, favourites, Parodwa. Uh, dong? Oh, wait. Oh, oh, dong? Maybe. You uh, can. They're still I going think. in Malaysia, aren't they? They're yes. just not selling cars. In fact, are they selling cars here? Maybe they are. The, not the, in the UK. The last no, time I interacted not. with a Parodua, I was told the press fleet age limit was 25 and I was 24. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I can't drive one litre of Canary. What a shame. <laughs> it's a powerhouse. Daihatsu. Dong. Well, in the UK. Yeah. I, sorry, I am generally talking ah, about okay, the UK really right. at the moment. Yeah, Daihatsu, which I think was a bit of a surprise because they had lots of support, Daihatsu, mainly Welsh farmers who thought they were buying a Welsh car. But seriously, though, there were lots of Daihatsus in Wales. The, the four-track. Um, a four-track yeah, was, a, was a... Very popular. And the lesser-loved sport track. So we reckon Seat's going to be next. If you were going to bring one of those brands back, Daihatsu, Pradwa, Daimler, Simca, Rover, Lola, which one would it be and how? Some kind of satanic ritual and Rover. (laughs) Satanic. Get the Ouija board Mm. out. The ghost of... I'd stand in the middle of a pentagram with lots of Rover badges lit on fire at each point. Or just a burning Viking longship. Yes. Perfect. Like a funeral going out to sea. In the shape of a Rover 75. In British Racing Green with a tan interior. Oh. Yeah. It's too late to bring Rover back though, Richard, isn't it? Because it's only you and me and him who actually care about it. Well, yeah, the thing is, the Rover name is owned by Jaguar Land Rover. Mm. So it's eminently possible they could bring it back if they wanted to. There is a logic to it, which I see people talking about on the internet quite a lot, mainly Rover enthusiasts, in fairness. But they say, well, look, rather than taking Jaguar down market and doing the XC as a Jag, why did they not bring Rover back as... As they were, really, as sort of sub-Jags. And it's almost yeah. in your hierarchy of British, slightly posh cars. Ooh, it's nicer than a Ford. Rover, then Jaguar, then Rolls-Royce and Bentley, Well, perhaps. many, many moons ago, my old man was looking for a new car when I was, what, 
10 or something. And his choices were an Audi A4, a Jaguar X-Type, or a Rover 75. And he always thought the Jag X-Type was a bit much. Mm. But the 75 or the A4 could work for him. Thankfully, he went for the A4. The 75 and the Jag S-Type both appeared at the same time, didn't they? I remember launching the same show. show. And uh, neither particularly survived, did they? Well, The The Rover arguably did better, didn't it? It was certainly a better-looking car. Mm, But in Mm. terms of sales numbers? Oh, I don't know about that. If you include the MG as well. Yeah, Yeah. yes. But Mm. the thing is, there's a very good reason why I don't think Jaguar will bring Rover back. It's because of all the money it would cost to have to re-establish them advertising campaign rebranding dealers and all that sort of stuff it's much cheaper for them even if Jag decide to do sort of like an Audi A3 slash BMW 1 what series kind that? of hatchback what would they call that the Jaguar XD XC XB no, you can't call it an XD you can't call it an XC because XA? technically these are all Scions in America aren't they XB and XA is all they've got to go with because XC is technically the XJC and doesn't XD means I'm a teenager telling you this I'm exclaiming does it yeah yeah, because yeah. XD is a sideways, you won't be able to see this, but this oh, place... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mouth open, eyes closed, yeah. XD. It's yeah. a manga drive thing, yeah. I believe, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They probably have to think of something else, like call it the H-type or something for hatchback. I don't Ooh. know. I'm not sure they would do this. I think they would do something a little bit left field and maybe do like a mini SUV-type yeah. thing and they'll call it the H-pace or the, some such... The F.5 pace-ish. F-off. Yes. It's an off-roader and it's like the F-type. <laughs> uh, and, but that makes more sense because they have Jag dealerships already. They have yeah. Jaguar as a name and they've got all the stationery. There's no need to have any new letterheading done. There's no way Rover's coming back. Absolutely no way. There have been attempts to bring some brands back, half-arsed attempts in recent years, two of them involving Wales again. That's the third mention for Wales in the show. It's going well. Why. AC, there was a plan to build what was the smart roads to the original smart roadster mm. in Wales and badge it as an AC Ace and the styling thing that they did for it looked really cute and also that Connaught V10 hybrid the Connaught oh, that, that was that, going to be built in Wales as well it was a good looking thing but now when I look back at it and you think about it doesn't it look a bit like the Camaro off of 2008 yeah it does yeah, also yeah, the yeah, back yeah, looked yeah. a little bit like an Austin 1100 mm. but it was a nice looking car it was a good designed by guy called Jeff Matthews who was one of the original designers of the Renault Espace who was died it recently two a lovely V10? man was it two or uh, something like that yes it was improbably small small yeah yeah, yeah yeah but it was supposed to be this hybrid thing and everyone at the time was like come on hybrid supercars <laughs> who'd go who'd for that one of those oh here we are. <laughs> but the brand Connaught, which didn't really mean anything to most people, but it was one of those brands that you think you may have heard of, mm. and it kind of works on that level. I'm starting to sound like Homer Simpson for some reason. I don't know why. Okay, what brands would you bring back? Lola, I've said this before, a Lola road car. People would have that one. Uh, right? Does it mean anything to people who haven't assiduously followed motorsport for a long time? But uh, it's one of those brands that you think you may have heard of. Oh, oh yes, yes, a Lola. I yeah. I do. yeah, I don't know. Well, is it a good name or is it just a kink song? And I think that probably helps too. Any on. familiarity helps, doesn't it? But I sort of think that Connaught, it's just a sturdy name, isn't it? Even though it does sort of sound like a pub as well. Yeah, Yeah, but you'd go to the Connaught. you go, oh, so uh, where are we going tonight? Connaught. What are you driving? Connaught. Yeah. Oh, That's the thing, it's sturdy. It's, it's like Brabazon, name. isn't it? Yeah. I'd rather oh. Brabazon. Now there's a name. Yeah, there's a brr, yeah. sturdy name. Yeah. So, okay, in that case, how come Tesla, I say Tesla, not Tesla, Tesla, and uh, what was the other one I was thinking of? Koros. 
seem to be oh, the, working. The Chinese. Yeah. Koros is a brand them. invented by Cherry in China. Originally conceived with something called the Israel Corporation. Investment no, it's not. Fund. It's not. That's not Cherry. Is it? They're, they're yeah. independent. No, so. Cherry own Koros, own the brand, but half of the brand is now owned by a Singaporean company. But it is Cherry. Cherry killed two of their other brands and invented Koros out of the blue. Has I, anyone right. driven a Koros yet? No. I was in Shanghai earlier this year, and I saw one on the roads. So and I, I saw a lot of Rover 75s. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, th- or, I think, I think you mean Rover 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 50s. And a lot of the 350s, which we don't even get here. Yeah. But I saw one Koros, and it's a nice-looking car. It's designed by the chap who was the chief designer of Mini and did the second-generation Mini. Oh. German chap. And... Yeah, well, mini. yeah, I don't know. I think it was all a bit of a crib from the first generation. If you design a mini, you're kind of committed to yeah, what does a mini look like? Make very, that should, should it have square headlamps? No, no, it shouldn't. Uh, should it be a small car? Not necessarily anymore. No, no, uh, no, no. I have a thing about people that moan about new mini, okay, and I will happily vent myself upon you. That sounds a bit wrong. Uh, hello, I'm, I'm gonna run with it. Go on. So, people of our vintage know mini as mini, yeah, as in the little car my old man had several of them and my mates yep. had them when we were at school but it died what 16 years ago now mm. it had its death knell signed off so the new one came out in 2000 so there's a generation of people who only know minis not as cheap cars that if you want a bit you just buy another one and yeah transplant it Instead, they're cool, funky things that you can aspire to. They're nice new things that are actually pretty good cars. That's the same rule as Skoda, you see. Skoda were far enough away from the original Skodas that no one remembers what a Skoda mm. used to be anymore. It's the same with the Mini, yeah. But the I think Mini what people, have, yeah, people have twigged on with Skoda is now they go, oh, it's kind of like a cut-price Volkswagen. Yeah. So that's fine. That's a, that's a relevant place to yeah. occupy someone got to do it I mean assuming you want to cut price lies but you know, this, is a, <laughs> this is a contemporary problem I'm sure they'll work through it but the mini thing is a really good point it's the same way I've been doing sort of some interviews and stuff to plug my Top Gear book and you're writing a book uh, I know I haven't mentioned it before but I have written oh, a book cool. and uh, uh, the um, yeah thanks you uh, and <laughs> sort of having to to people. I, it's in every edition, actually. That's one of the reasons it's probably not selling. <laughs> or it maybe is. I don't know. I haven't dared to ask. But having to explain to people that Top Gear wasn't always about three silly men falling over because a whole generation just don't know that. They don't remember Chris Coffey or William Willard. We do, and God bless them. But that's the thing. If you're of a certain age, you don't remember Skodas were rubbish and comedians used to laugh about them. You don't know what larders are at all. And you don't know what Mini really is. You're sort of dimly aware of the history they used to sell the car, but it doesn't really matter. I just had a revelation. In that sentence that you just drilled out there, I now realise the perfect brand to bring back. It's been long enough that any memories of what it used to be are forgotten and we could launch it as a premium brand. It's bring not, back. It's not Bernard Manning, is it? Uh, no, no, it's not him. No. That's good. You go. Oh. <laughs> So what you need to do is you need to take the, according to Richard, soon-to-be-defunct, say at me, yeah, paint it beige, make the metal really thin, Perfect. and then you're there. It's a Yugo. Please be welcoming back all new Yugo cards. Yugo. Now with top prestige features such as mostly working engine, electrical window, centralized looking system. 
cruising control, shaving bags of air, and hair conditioning. The old you all look curious, you go, you go cars. Buy now before someone destroy the rest of factory again. There is one brand of car which has been gone now for how many years, Alex Guy? Uh, the last car they made in America was officially 1983. Is that right? But they finished production in 1982. And this is a car which in some ways is American, in some ways is British, but in many ways is an Irish car. And it's a great brand that you'd bring back. Have you worked it out yet? It's got its own movie series. If, if you haven't, this will do it for you. Do, 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 do. That should do it. Do you have to pay copyright on that, Richard? Is Great that too scat. much? Yeah. It's a brand so good, it even had an album, a concept album, recorded about it by Griff Rears from Super Furry Animals in the Neon Neon Project. Stainless Style was all about the DeLorean. You know this car well, Alex, don't you? I know this car far too well, and I'm shamelessly going to plug something that is going to come out. Tell us about it. On my little channel on the internet. It's the DeLorean DMC-12, and how it was not very good, but actually was quite cool. And it is quite Correct. cool. It wasn't very good, really, but it was immeasurably cool. But, That's a difficult act to pull off, isn't it? Yeah. I did a film with it last year. We went to Humble, Texas, where DeLorean actually lives now. It's run by a Scouse guy called Stephen, and he ran a French car shop in L.A. And in the early 80s, people kept coming to him with their broken DeLorean saying, can you fix my engine? Because it was a Peugeot, Renault, Volvo... The Duvrin V6, I believe they called it. Hideous, awful, underpowered pile of... But they kept asking him to fix them, and then he got so many of these things. DeLorean then went under, and long story short, he now owns every spare bit of DeLorean ever in... What's essentially a glorified shed in Humble, Texas. Fantastic. It's a bit like the relationship it Mayflower had with lots of old MG parts. They sort of kept MG going. Do you remember when the MG RV8 came out? Yeah. Mayflower had been pressing the panels for the old MGs and were employed again to build that car for Rover. Well, that was... It was. That was- was that Mayflower's at the British Motor Industry Heritage Trust were the sort of front for it, weren't they? That's they, it. But I don't know if Mayflower, who are a sort of engineering firm in Coventry, were they actually doing the hard work on that? I I'm not think sure. they were from memory. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my memory tells the, me that that's right. The what funny I'm... thing about that is that because BMITHT, I got to go. They have the original tooling, I think, don't they? That's why they're able to make MGB and Midget and I think now Mini shells. Brand yes. new yes. people who want to restore a rusty old British car, but the DeLorean parts they can't make. You can't make them because the tooling was destroyed, or the dies were thrown into a very deep bit of sea. The problem they have right now is if you have a DeLorean, they have most of the bits. But I think it's either a left or a right hand wing. If yours is broken, you can't have another one. Wow! Like they have so few because. What happened was, when the company was in receivership, they had the stock bits of one side, but they couldn't have the money for the other, so they couldn't get the rest in. So now, 
there's like six or some ridiculously tiny number and you're a bit knackered if you want that particular bit. So if that breaks or if you have one in your attic, if you have a wing or a door <laughs> of a DeLorean in your attic... I'm just going to check now. Do, because it's worth an enormous sum of money. Right. What do they like to drive, though? I've never driven one. I almost bought one. I think I said this on the show. I think it was either five or eight and a half grand. I can't remember. And I nearly bought one in about 94 or something like that. And now they go for 30 grand. Oh, I wish I had. You should have done. The car I drove was terrible. Hey! It was awful. But the reason for it, because we went over there, they knew we were there to drive a car, but they hadn't quite gotten what we wanted to do with it. So they thought, oh, it's a quick ride around the block, and then you can write a story, what have you. It's like, no, we need it for the whole day, maybe tomorrow. And Stephen, lovely Stephen Wynn, he went, right, okay, the only one we've got, you can't drive one of the ones that are out on the lot because they're all customer cars. So here's the keys to mine. It's a fixer-upper. The girl who sold it to us, it was a graduation present. And she kept it for all these years. And she took it to them and said, I hear you've stored DeLoreans. How much would it be to fix it up and make it good like the ones you have out here? And he said, all of the money. And she then went, well, how much to sell it? Because I don't have all of the money and I don't really drive it. And he went, less of the money. And she went, sod it, I'll take less of the money. And it had a life on it. It was a three-speed auto. When we tried to close one of the doors with a door pull, it came off a bit. <laughs> oh, lovely. I'd um, heard that. That does happen generally with them, though, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It was quite spectacular because this leather strap just disintegrated into dust, basically. <laughs> the suspension was knackered. The gearbox was terrible. The steering wheel melted in my hand. And the air conditioning leaked manky water all over the passenger And how much play was there on the steering that's what I always imagine it's like trying to steer a boat miles of it it was awful but at the same time normally when we do a shoot I'm sat there in a car for the whole day driving back and forth or round loops and I get out of it going oh my back hurts or my leg hurts or whatever I was fine because it's a big comfy boat of a thing it wasn't supposed to be a built for Americans car. yeah yeah. it wasn't supposed to be a sports car it was supposed to be a lovely thing to go yeah. cross country in yeah. and you could do that you just probably wouldn't have had that much fun because it was like driving beige but it was a knackered one and I've spoken to people who own ones that have been fixed up we had the auto and there's a journalist in the US guy called Matt Farah he owns probably the best DeLorean in the world. It's a manual. It's had the engine completely restored and breathed on, so it's got 220 horsepower rather than 130. And it's awesome. But Have you driven Matt Farris? I haven't. He said, oh, you can have a go. But it was LA traffic in the middle of a heatwave. I was very hungover. And I didn't quite fancy it because I wasn't sure about the insurance thing. <laughs> and, and at the time, he was having a big faff getting it registered for the road. So it wasn't actually technically legal in the US anyway. Uh, Probably so a smart <laughs> decision not to drive that it, car so is, is, is Matt, because I've heard him talking about that car, mm. I understand that DeLorean connoisseurs, the Holy Grail is a Euro-spec car with Euro suspension with yes. a manual gearbox. Because the way Chapman figured it, the front was lower than it actually was. It was within the US limits. The, the height restrictions yeah. for headlamps. Yes. Yeah, I remember the Porsche 928 had to be sold in the same period. I remember this from reading a comparative review between the 928 and the DeLorean in Car and Driver in, I guess, what must have been 1982 and I mm. worked in Battersea. I remember, I can see the piece. 
And the 928 had to be sold with the suspension jacked up so mm. that the headlights, when they were up, reached the minimum height requirement. But the DeLorean, it. when it was fresh out the factory, would have met that. Yeah. But when it went to America, they went, oh, no, this is way too low, and raised it anyway, which is oh. why it's that weird kind of flat thing. It should have been a lot lower. Yeah, yeah. Wedge-shaped, leading yeah. forward. Yeah. Did they not do that? I think they put blocks in the suspension, in yeah. this, which is what they did with the MGB mm. as well. Those rubber bumper MGBs are particularly wretched because the right hand is jacked up. And, yeah, Porsche 928s, because you can tell the US spec ones, because they do look all tippy-toe. They sit too high. Yeah, completely tippy-toe. It's almost like, you know, old, old shape Merc SLs, the the first ones with the folding metal roofs, and they've got that air suspension, which you can set to raise up and sometimes you see people even now driving around them where they've pushed the button maybe by accident and they look like soft rotors but it's a two-door convertible so what would a modern delorean be well here's the crack i've been doing this documentary on it and part of it i interviewed a load of people and one of the guys interviewed this chap called barry wills and barry when he started he was the purchasing guy for delorean and when he finished he handed the keys to the receivers he was the md of delorean that was his last job with them he gave him the keys and there's loads of books and there's loads of writing about it that there was a British consortium that could have saved the company but they missed their deadline he was one of them and what DeLorean was going to be is in his book I think it's called John Z DeLorean and Me it came out a couple of weeks ago and what it was going to be they had secured the rights to use the Healy name and they were going to make a three-car lineup so it was going to be the Healy Gullwing which would be the DMC-12 and they were going to keep the logo. So it would be the Dunmurray Motor Company, everything made in Dunmurray at the proper factory. So they'd keep the logo, they could keep the look of everything. You'd have the Healy Gullwing, and then you'd have the Healy 3500 and Healy 2000. It would have been the TR7 and TR8. Wow. The receiver who oversaw the whole thing, his name escapes, uh, Kenneth something. Kenneth Receiver. Yeah, Kenneth Receiver. That's Named well for his job. Yeah, but he oversaw it with them. He set them up with the right people and it would have been absolutely perfect. And at the last minute, everything was pulled under them. And that was when... Wow. So it could have actually happened. It, it could have come back, but not badged as a DeLorean, badged as a Dunmurray. It would have been the Dunmurray Motor Company produces the Healy Gullwing, the Healy 3500, the Healy 2000. It could have actually been a thing. They were also going to do, early on in the DeLorean days, John DeLorean said he was going to make a four-door version, the DMC-24, which would have had the gull wings on it. He also wanted to make a bus and, like, an earth mover. Aren't there sketches, didn't... Aren't there some Dejaro sketches of the four-door that were kicking around? Yeah, I saw a picture of the four-door, and it looks like a DeLorean, but a bit longer with some extra doors. It's quite... From memory, it's quite cool. A little bit Lagonda-ish. But, you know, not horrible. No. Do you know where they would have made the TR7 and TR8? In Dunmurray as well, really. So So they'd have just gone to BL and gone, look, this is all going horribly wrong for you. pretty much everything in place. It was after they killed off... TR7, TR8, and they were going to build them under licence in Dunmurray, in that factory. Great. Wow. It could have been actually brilliant. And it's not breaking news, but if you've read Barry's book, then it's not breaking news. If not, Gareth Jones on Speed Exclusive before my documentary comes Thank out. Thank you. <coughs> where can we see your documentary and when? And what's it called? The piece will go out on youtube.com forward slash xcarfilms or xcar.com or on my Twitter feed. Hey, my boy. Hello. And we haven't given it a name yet because it's not finished because we have several hundred hours of interviews to trawl through. We spoke to Barry Wills. We spoke to Mike Kimberley, Colin Spooner, two guys from Lotus. We spoke to several 
former DeLorean employees. The whole story is crazy because what we set out to do wasn't to nail DeLorean to the wall, but to find out what it was like to work at DeLorean. We look forward to finding out the answer to that in your show. I'm just thinking, you know, DeLorean is the perfect brand to bring back because look how Aston Martin benefits from having its own film franchise. DeLorean's already got one there anyway, but you would have to actually bring it back as a time machine. That's what you do. You really would, yeah. Maybe that's what the new Tesla is. There is a story supposedly about that, that actually John DeLorean used to hang around in Hollywood quite a lot, and this was subject mm. to some of the songs on the Neon Neon Stainless album. Steel, yeah. And Stainless style, sorry. The rumour that I've never been able to confirm was that he was after the product placement in that movie, and he knew Spielberg, and he wanted to get that car in that film, not as a joke which is what it was by the time the movie was made and came out, yeah. as a sort of comedy failed car. You made a time machine? Out, out of a, a DeLorean? DeLorean? Yeah. Even it would have been, that. you made a time machine out of a DeLorean! And it would yeah. have been, yeah! Like it had been a Porsche well, or it was, something. It was originally supposed to be a fridge, wasn't it? Yeah, and they decided that it would encourage kids to get into fridges, and that's no good. Which but. is why, in the fourth Indiana Jones movie, if there ever was one, well, which there isn't because there it doesn't isn't. exist, but if there was, that's why Indiana Jones got in a fridge in that explosion thing. We've learnt too much today. It would have been a DeLorean fridge he would have got in. Alex Guy, what a joy having you on. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Again, genuine honour. You right. people are lovely. I've been listening to this for several years, so actually being here is still a bit weird. It's the listener's treat entirely. Richard Porter, thank you very thank much you. indeed. You learned something today about I the did, DeLorean. Yeah, that was uh, we could, we could some achievement. Yes. You're going to have to come back, will you? Oh, God, yeah. We'll have him back. I was Gareth. We're going to leave you with a tune. This one is... Uh, <laughs> you've heard of David Bowie. Well, this isn't him. This is David Bowen, a sort of a Welsh interpretation. This is the mighty Phil Cornwell taking the vocals. This song is about Formula One, or indeed any motorsport driver, because the song is called Race Car Driver. See ya.
your better But then you struggle to forget him He's a race car driver Overachiever and striver With your attention to detail Never thought of changing tack How about a job in retail Instead of going round and round the track Race car driver to send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!